Yes, guys, as you heard in the last episode, today I am welcoming none other than Michael David Strayer, better known as Mothboy Mike. And how the hell did this happen? Well, Mothboy Mike sat down with me to share his spiritual journey. Yes, guys. A podcasting first, because in the past year, Mike has been compelled by some otherworldly forces to go on a spiritual pilgrimage all across West Virginia. First, he ended up in Clarksburg at the Great Barker Archives, sifting through the man's personal and professional life, uncovering so much cool details, not just about Great Barker, but also about Jennings Frederick, you know, the Vegetable Man witness. And this then sent Mike over to Grafton to pay his respects at the gravesite of Jennings Frederick. But Mike was also compelled to write a children's book about the Vegetable Man. Yeah. So today we also discuss what compelled Mike to do such a weird-ass thing. And lastly, we also talk about Mike's fascination with the Grafton monster and his compulsion to pay his respects to the witness himself, Robert Cockrell, who sadly passed away a few months ago. This was a very intense, personal, transformative experience for Mike, where he found himself embodying the Grafton monster, popping out of obscurity this one last time to tell Bob, thank you. Thank you for inspiring us, and thank you for sharing such a wonderful, whimsical, imaginative tale of adventure. Okay, Mothboy Matt, long time no see. Mothboy Mike. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) That's my brother. You know what's the problem, man? Uh, Whenever the Mothboys guest on other podcasts, it's always Uh, Matt. It's never Mike. It it really is. This is a rare (laughs) thing for me. So uh, you should should, uh, feel important, I think, you know? (laughs) Yes. Ah, man. I really don't recall you appearing anywhere on podcasts except for that news coverage. (laughs) There was, yeah, I've been on a couple. I've been on maybe two or three, maybe mm-hmm. other ones in the past three years. So yeah, it's, it's very rare. I'd like to start doing it more, but it's yeah. hard to, and then by the time you get there, something pops up. So, but yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm glad we're talking today. Yes. I got you on the show for very special reasons because recently I have noticed that you are going through some kind of spiritual transformation. Okay. Yeah. I think so as well. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I've noticed that you're making pilgrimages to the Gray Barker archive of all things. Mm-hmm. 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 Yep, you know all about Gray Barker. You know? Yes, yes. Yeah. And uh, you've been sending my friend Cole a lot of material related yes. to Vegetable Man. You even yes. wrote a children's book about Vegetable Man? I sure did, yeah. Me and uh, me and Bailey Raven, uh, uh, Bailey Raven Folklore, uh, mm-hmm. uh, she illustrated it and I, I wrote it. And it's not the easiest topic to make a kid's book out of, uh, but we <laughs> okay, did it. it you know? Let's start with this. So was this uh, published after you had your own kid? Uh, this was published, was it? It was published before it was published before yes so this is when you were preparing to be a new uh father so how did that inspire you to do the book and like what why the vegetable man why the vegetable (laughs) oh man that's that's a that's a weird question i feel like uh i don't know i love the story i think and uh he was uh vegetable man was in my previous book mothman learns the abcs uh which my friend uh 
uh, Danner illustrated. So he made him all cute and stuff. So I think maybe that was my first. I was like, hey, he looks really good, cute for some uh-huh. reason. I'm not sure how that works. But so then I was like, uh, I was talking to Ballet Raven. And we were talking about doing a series of books called Curious Creatures. So um, the first one is Vegetable Man. And it's going to be a series of books, essentially. And uh-huh. the story is going to be like a day in the life of a cryptid. And, you know, the, hopefully the sighting or the initial sighting or whatever, the sightings can be put in the book somehow. But uh, how did I get Veggie Man in there? Man, I just love the story. And I think uh, it's horrifying. And I don't know. I think I like the stories that used to scare the shit out of me as a kid. So I think it's kind of it's kind of spooky and scary to some kids. We've gotten some reviews on Amazon that say, like, this is a no go for kids. Don't show this book to kids. Um, but <laughs> I also think just grow up. Just grow up, kids. That's what I say. <laughs> so kidding. was there any blood sucking in the narrative? of the children's story there was it was kind wow. of uh it was yeah it was uh it was kind of danced around because he you know he he lunges lunges at the man mm-hmm. but we, we just said that he needs to eat food is what we called it we didn't say blood or something <laughs> you know you know but um i also noticed in the book that he leaves the man on the ground just like you know dazed and everything we didn't really specify whether the man lives or dies in the children's book so he's wow. kind of just his arm is laying on the ground and the aliens jumping off into to get on its spaceship so the kids don't really know if he's alive or dead honestly so I, I i should have thought about that one but if there's any children listening to this <laughs> that want to know uh he's alive still so yes you're, you're essentially making the goosebumps but for toddlers <laughs> exactly yeah well me and Ballerie even talked about it and I, I said we were thinking eight to a hundred that's like the good age range for this book anyone anyone between eight and a hundred can read the book mostly because my uh nephew was over and i'm like so do you think this is scary like what age do you think would be good for this uh for this book and he's like seven or eight and he's like i think eight mm-hmm. is good for it so, but yeah, I, I think, yeah. So it's not a young, young kids book like Mothman Learns the ABCs, but it's for a little bit older. What are the other cryptids that you're planning for the series? Um, we don't have any right now, really. We might, we're, I'm thinking about the Grafton Monster maybe mm-hmm. and you know i there's the the obviously the it's endless what we could do with it you know what i mean so mm-hmm. i would really like to do personally i'd really like to do a loch ness monster one i think that'd be a fun children's book to do i, yeah. I think that i think that i really got the horrifying scary story out of my head so I, i'm i'm good there so <laughs> if kids are going to keep coming back to the book i hope they do the newer ones are going to be less scary so yeah i can go into a psychoanalysis now like you are yeah. expecting to be a new f- father and yeah you have all this pent-up anxiety and anger inside <laughs> you <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I've noticed that the Vegetable Man and the Grafton Monster have a very special place in your heart. So I, I thought maybe we're just going to sit down and chat about that. So cool. I understand that you have been interested in the Gray Barker stuff for a very long time. So this is not just something recent. Can you maybe Mm-mm. share how you got into this? Yeah, um, I think I heard about Gray Barker through just stories of him pranking John Keel and just being a, a nuisance on the, the uh, ufology world, I think. I think that's uh, I probably heard his name through John Keel, obviously, at one point. I don't know how long ago. Probably been years now. I mean, I oh, so you t- so you met John Keel in person? No, 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 no. <laughs> I I wish I had, but I just you know you read like uh you know you read his book and or you read you know read you read stuff and he he'll yes. mention he'll mention uh Gray Barker. Oh yeah, stuff, like you know? in the Mothman prophecies, it's not just him mentioning Gray Barker. It's all of the Men in Black. Uh, men in Black, exactly. Yeah. yeah, saying oh I'm a friend of Gray. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's been I haven't no I've, I haven't like really 
really uh, known about Gray Barker for too, too long, maybe two or three years now. But yeah, I, I think probably just hearing his, his name through John Keel's writing or, you know, letters or, you know, just mm-hmm. studying up on John Keel, I think probably is where I found out about Gray Barker. And what compels you to go digging into his archives? Oh, I don't know. I think, uh, you know, that's a good question. I think <laughs> I just think it's fascinating because essentially what it is, it's, it's at the Clarksburg Library in Clarksburg, West Virginia. And uh, it's essentially the man's life is what it is. So it's like 29 drawers. I absolutely stuffed with book reviews, cases, notes, um, other books, other stuff he just collected, uh, grocery lists. It's just mm-hmm. anything, everything. They just, so the library just went ahead and bought, they they went to the family and were, were like, so, you know, we want to buy this, the archive off you or the, uh, you know, all this stuff. And they're like, yeah, go ahead. So that wasn't a big issue to them. But yeah, yeah. I think it's, I don't know. I just, uh, I really enjoy, uh, it's weird to go into another person's life essentially and just dig around, dig around a person's head is kind of what it is, you know? So, and then he's, he's, he was into, I guess, into uh, some of the stuff that I really love too. So yeah, yeah, and it's very fascinating, especially with him because he led a double life, um, mm-hmm. and he found these colorful ways to convey his own feelings and what he's going through. And now you're digging through his archives, and mm-hmm. he himself is a trickster figure. You never know what is real and what is not, what what is uh, confabulated poetry and mm-hmm. what is actual research. Right, and I think I think that's what I love about it. I think that it keeps I don't know, it keeps my imagination going. You know what I mean? And even if it even if it is fake, it's still it's still just fun to read about and think about. You know what I mean? And also, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, like like him and uh, what's his name now? I always forget his friend's name that he used to mess around uh, with. Jim Mosley. Jim Mosley. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh man, there's a lot about him in the archives. He he seems like a character. <laughs> I don't know much about him, but but I guess you know they would you know they drum up fake UFO sightings and stuff to to try to bring interest back into it. So I don't think it was all malicious at all. There, there was some money making schemes in there, I think, and also just like mm-hmm. let's start some shit to bring bring some interest back to it. I think you know. There's also this looming idea that myself and Todd Purse have Mm -hmm. realized that uh, the paranormal is attracted to such figures, which are tricksterish or uh, scammers or hoaxers, because nobody will ever believe them. Yeah, yeah, that's a good, that's a good thought. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, I wouldn't consider the Moth Boys tricksters. We we are very uh, silly and we like to joke on things. I don't think (laughs) you know, uh, but yeah, we don't we don't fake anything or any like we don't you know we're not out there doing fake UFO sightings or anything. But um, that's a good thought. Yeah. That's true. Well, d- did you personally have any kind of experiences? Uh, in my, in, I can't say that I have, sadly. I mean, I wish. I wish I had. I wish I had something to report on, but no. Maybe, maybe you should start f- hoaxing a UFO then to beat the paranormal. Exactly. Maybe I will. Uh, yeah, maybe I'll get a little piece of string and, uh, you know, a fishing pole and make my own little video, you know? Uh, well, uh, my, my friend Fred Anderson recently did a blog post where he wrote about his own theory that there is some kind of trickster force that may be manifesting UFOs with strings when somebody's taking a picture of a real UFO. Oh man. Whoa, <laughs> that is that's wild. That's wild. Uh, yeah. Who is it? Who who said this? Uh, Fred Anderson, the Fred Swedish Anderson. paranormal TV producer. Oh man, that's cool. I mean, so so it manifests the string. Mm-hmm. So, wow, that's wild. I love that. It's like whenever somebody needs to take a genuine photo of a real thing, right. it will manifest in such a way that nobody will believe it. <laughs> oh man, that's cool. See, that's what I love about the whole thing. See, that's like you have people like this Fred guy who's thinking really outside the box, uh-huh. and I think Gray Barker did that too. I think you know, well, I think he. he I, I don't know how much. You're, you're aware uh, when we're talking about the Loch Ness Monster, there's this artist in Cornwall in the UK, Doc mm-hmm. Shields, who was uh, doing uh, various rituals trying to summon the Loch Ness Monster. And he was also hoaxing and creating hoax photos of the monster. And lo and behold, one day the monster actually appeared and he shot a photo. It's one of the most famous Nessie photos. It's the one with blue water and the head just 
poking out and it looks like Nessie is smiling. Oh, no way. So yeah. he was, wow. So, so supposedly he was there to, he was doing all these fake things and it actually mm-hmm. showed up or what? Yes. Yes. And huh. how he talks about it is like uh, the paranormal is drawn to hoaxers because nobody will ever believe them. Like if something really happens, yeah. it happens in such a way that uh, you lose your credibility. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Speaking of uh, Loch Ness, have you heard of the the Bullskin house in, in Loch Ness? Uh, the one where Alistair Crowley was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've been into that that uh yeah that he tried to do some kind of some kind of magic there to, to uh-huh i think he was trying to spawn the leviathan leviathan yeah 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 he had to buy this certain kind of house i bought the book the uh i forgot what it was what it's called it's some kind of i don't know what it's called but i bought the book and i, I don't understand any of it but i think it's i think it's called the book of abramelin maybe uh-huh. Ab- Ab- abramelin but yeah i bought it but i don't understand any of it but it's still cool i mean i think there's some magic probably to, to loch ness maybe you know what i mean yes that's cool i actually yesterday interviewed richard Freeman, who is a real cryptozoologist, like he's been all over the world searching for like the Orang Pendek, the Yeti, the Mongolian deathworm. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also is open to the paranormal and he thinks that these cryptids, which do not make biological sense, mm-hmm. are maybe manifestations or talpas or something weird. Yeah, that's one of uh, Mothboy Jake's favorite things is talpas. He likes talking about those. Mm-hmm. And that's an interesting concept, the talpa. I think it's cool. So uh, your interest in Gray Barker, like w- when you started the Mothboys podcast, do you already have this interest or did you maybe learn about Gray's work through doing the podcast? Yeah, I think I think I learned through the podcast probably i think mm-hmm. i knew i knew of him and i knew that he was a trickster and i knew that he liked to prank but i, I didn't know the extent of his work i don't think at that point and that was about three years ago and how long have you been going going to the archives archives not that long i mean it's just been i'll tell you what's what's happened actually so i started going and i've stopped just recently for some reason i, I don't feel a i don't feel as much of a pull to go there anymore for some reason i'm not sure if some maybe it's an outside force or something that it's just it's not bringing me to the archives anymore. I mean, I, maybe I'll feel it again. But I used to I've, I used to I was there for like two months, like every Wednesday or something. And I would stay for hours. And just recently, I just felt like I don't want to drive out there. For, you know, I mean, I just it, it yes. didn't seem it didn't seem enticing to me anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, ho- hopefully that feeling comes back. But just recently, it, does, it doesn't sound uh, as, as fun as it was. And, uh, sorry, does this correlate with the passing of the Grafton Monster Witness? Oh yeah, Robert Cockrell. I, I don't think so. I don't think it has anything to do with that. Those are two two separate things in my brain. I think I just I'm not sure. I haven't really uh, gone into my brain and kind of questioned that. Why, why I'm not interested? I, I mean, I I know they are very separate things, but they are all like breadcrumbs in in the mm-hmm. stream that is compelling you to go through this transformative process. Right. Yeah. I, I get that. Yeah. Recently, I just haven't I haven't gone recently. But yeah, like I said for a while it was you know I, I was going every week for hours at a time and just going through his stuff you know what i mean so i hope hopefully i, I get that drawback and um, i don't know if it's like taking care of my kids and stuff or you know mm-hmm. just life life stuff but because for a while i had this ritual you know what i mean i would go i would go to clarksburg i'd go to a hot dog joint i'd sit at this hot dog joint and eat two hot dogs and some fries and a drink and then i'd walk over to the library do my study and then head home and i did that every week eat the same hot they eventually knew knew they they knew my order and everything you know what i mean so like 
yeah it was it was strange it was just like a something i needed to do but i'm not and, I'm and not you can't explain that. why why the compulsion no no, no 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 reason other than i think i'm just an interest i guess i don't really know i'm not sure i mean it could be a strange a strange thing but it might just be a, just an interest in every every at everything you know i don't know okay that i mean that, that makes it more interesting that there is no rational explanation why right you feel compelled to go there so uh what, what's your takeaway like did you learn something did you gain anything from this experience i let's see i know the man was kind of a hoarder so i, I learned that <laughs> i learned that he he ran a movie theater i don't know if, if you all know this he, he ran a movie theater and he managed it uh, i forgot where but eventually one of the co-workers who i think he was seeing romantically uh started managing a different theater i think they had their their issues okay. and his his love object went to another theater in the same town and they were like conflicting movie theater managers against each other so i think that there's some little little fun drama fact for you there if you don't know that okay that that hmm, he used to run movie theaters yeah he was a manager for movie theaters he was really into movies to film uh like science fiction films and stuff which i found kind of cool you know but i thought that was funny though like he had this little rivalry going with this other uh theater manager who i think they were they were, they were lovers okay well, what makes you think that they were lovers i think that <laughs> the guy uh the guy that runs the archives i think he I think he mentioned it in passing or something uh-huh um and then i read something about him going up against another theater so i think yeah the guy that runs it is really knowledgeable guy but yeah i think he said it i think that he heard had sort heard somewhere who's one of his lovers or something that he was mm-hmm. <laughs> going up against to a um theater yeah that's a very interesting tidbit yeah 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 what else did i take away i mean i just i uh i feel like when you do that kind of stuff you get to know a person personally even though he's not around and even even more than you maybe thought you wished right yeah i think so i think that yeah you know I think that, yeah, going through somebody's, it's like picking their brain almost and some stuff you don't, some stuff you don't really care about. I mean, it's just kind of like, well, this is nonsense. You know I mean? I don't, I don't, you know, Mm -hmm. his, his, uh, random writings that he would make that has, has nothing to do with what I'm interested in or anything. You know what I mean? So there was stuff to go through. I had a whole bunch of, I had a whole bunch of stuff to go through. Oh yeah. But he, he throughout his whole life had a lot of rivalries and Mm -hmm. enemies and you know that. So I can imagine that there are a lot of writings where he was just subtly poking at somebody and you as a layman don't even understand who that is yeah. or why <laughs> i wouldn't be i wouldn't be able to I, I i can tell you that him and his friends when they wrote letters to each other because i saw a lot of letters they would use code names and stuff like that just nonsense names i can't remember any of them if i find any of the names i'll let you know but i remember mm-hmm. that you know reading a lot of letters and it'd be signed by mothman or, or, or you know men in black or something <laughs> you know it'd be, it'd be signed in something just ridiculous so he was very silly with his with his correspondences mostly you know what i mean just uh it, it it was fun to read that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, but it's all it's also like he's LARPing in a way. He's <laughs> live action role playing this whole fantasy universe that he's creating for himself. He, he he's creating yeah. an MCU of his own. You know, the Flatwoods Monster and the Mothman and the Veggie Man mm-hmm. and Men in Black, all of these, not just his creations, but the ones that he popularized. Absolutely. Yeah, he's making his own little world. I mean, and I also found out a lot about uh Jennings Frederick, the vegetable man man. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> the vegetable man. <laughs> uh, you know, he he was him and his family had a lot of sightings before and after Vegetable Man. It wasn't just, and I know you guys talked about. It. I think it was you and Cole were talking yes, about that. Yes, yeah, yeah. Which I really enjoyed that episode. I think. Uh, by the way, hi Cole. Uh, thanks, thanks for your hard work. I want to just give him.
him a shout out. It's pretty yeah. cool. Cole uh, sent me a picture of a piece of paper with some drawings that you mm-hmm. sent him that mm-hmm. had the vegetable man and all of these other entities that Jennings Frederick was mm-hmm. encountering. Now, all of these illustrations were they illustrated by Barker? No, no, he didn't. He I, I remember reading an article or something. They said he said he had no because he would write to people and he would ask them. I don't know if how they exchange. I don't know. I don't know if he paid these people. I noticed numerous times him saying he can't draw. He's tried and it just doesn't work. So he had, you know, Gene, uh, Gene Duplantier, I think his name was. Uh-huh. He did some of his work. And then there were some random other artists that did some really great work. And then Jennings did his own drawings too. Jennings Frederick, you know, he did his own drawings. Like the one, I think he drew the one that, you know, that Cole showed you. I found out, I found out a bunch about him and he was really into UFOs and all kinds of stuff. He just, you know, and I sent a lot of the information. I didn't take that. That's another funny thing about that. I didn't take any of that information about Jennings for myself, you know, because I would go and I have a, I have a whole stockpile of things I'm interested in from this, these archives. I, you're able to copy them like on a copier. Yes. So I have like I have like a whole folder full of stuff that I just like like looking at. Yeah. And uh, that, that is weird because you're the guy who wrote the Vegetable Man book. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I didn't take any of the Jennings stuff. I took pictures of it and sent it to Cole. I don't know. I just I thought, you know, he he's really into that. He's really into the Vegetable Man. And mm-hmm. I really am, too. But, I you know, he's he puts a lot of hard work into his website and stuff. So I'm like, this this yes. guy needs to have all this information. So I took a picture of everything that was related to Vegetable Man or Jennings Frederick and sent it all to him. And he was he was very happy about it. So, I mean, yeah. So I found out a lot about Jennings Frederick, too. Just the Vegetable Man witness. He, he's actually just a uh, multiple time eyewitness to weird, weird things. And his mother was. And yeah, just strange stuff, man. Yeah. And if he was doing all of these illustrations, I, I saw them. It, when you look at those illustrations, it looks like somebody uh, doing fan fiction in a way, like creating mm-hmm. their own fac- fan fiction universe for themselves. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that maybe he maybe uh, maybe he was. I don't know. Sally, obviously, we can't talk about or talk with these guys, but mm. maybe he was. I don't know. Maybe he just had an overactive imagination. Who knows? You know what I mean? But I like to believe that it actually happened. You know what I mean? So, well, we see this a lot with contactees. They yeah. experience something uh, weird. And I do think a lot of them experience something genuinely weird and then get sent off uh, on their own to confabulate this fantasy universe that is bullshit. I think the confabulated universe is bullshit, but it is something that they feel compelled to create as a result of something genuine. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like we see with uh, Woody Derenberger and mm-hmm. his travels to Lanulos with Indrid yeah. Cold. <laughs> yeah, that's fun to read about, but I'm not so sure about that. I'm, uh, I'd like to believe it's real. You know what I mean? It's kind of neat, but it's fun to read about. But yeah, Lanulos, it's, <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, when I read all of that about Lanulos, I see, well, Woody was a guy who was stuck in this job that he did not like and was just creating this fantasy to escape from that life. And funny enough that you say that, I think I think that started to happen to, to Great Barker too. Mm-hmm. I think he started getting you know bitter, and uh, you know people weren't buying his stuff eventually anymore. And you know he, he kind of I don't know if he died bitter and poor, maybe he did, but he, I think I think there wasn't any money in it eventually. I think there was a time and place for this kind of stuff, uh, and then it kind of faded out a little bit. And yeah, I think by the late seventies, when he was trying to promote the Jennings Frederick stuff, uh, Vegetable yeah. Man, like the UFO community was way into the nuts and bolts stuff, and not into the campy cookie mm-hmm. nonsense and unfortunately yeah. he died in 84 yeah, yeah yeah i think that's too bad i think um i don't know if you and cole talked about it i think think he died of aids if i, yes. if I remember correctly yes. yeah i think i think it was well i think it was hidden though i don't think it was uh it wasn't talked about a lot i don't think i think a i lot, think I, th- this was the first wave of the aids epidemic when yeah. people were not even talking about it openly and there wasn't i mean no treatment 
obviously. Right. Which is really sad too. I mean, he 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 died with that. Maybe not a secret, but he died with that. You know what I mean? Because the, the, I don't think the paranormal community knew about it. You know what I mean? Because watching documentaries and hearing other people talk about it, they said he had some weird uh, disease or, you know, they, they would never, they never mention AIDS. It's always some, he died of just some strange thing in the hospital, you know, or something. Yeah, you know yeah I mean? because because of the connotations and the 80s that if you openly say that somebody died of AIDS, it's assumed that they were homosexual. Mm-hmm. And he obviously wanted to keep that uh, yes. with him to the grave. And that's under that's understandable. I mean, it's, you know, I'm sure... I'm sure it wasn't widely accepted, obviously. And, and uh, you know, he just wanted to do his thing. He didn't want any any problems, I don't think, any more problems than what he had, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Do, do you see any kind of, I don't know, obvious signs of that? Or was mm. he keeping this locked away even in his, you know, free time, free alone time? Man, I feel I feel like it was locked, pretty locked away, which is very depressing to me. I think it was very, uh, I don't know if he tried to ignore it or what, but there's no real, from what I've seen, so far, mm-hmm. no real signs of any kind of any of that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Um, I, I was contacted briefly when I did my episode about Gray Barker. His friend circle knew at the yeah. time, and this is something that they even said in the documentary about him. So in his inner circle, it was not even a big deal, and nobody yeah. really cared about it. Um, yep. It was just trying to keep it away from the public eye. Public, public eye, and like I feel like the uh, the ufology scene, like the the scene that he's mm-hmm. trying to to sell books to or you know and whatever. i think also what alan greenfield uh, pointed me towards because i put out on twitter before i released the episode that i did an episode about the him, hidden homosexuality of gray Barker's first book especially okay. with the flatwoods monster how he sees himself as the monster the other that stuff alan told me like to be very wary of reducing somebody to their sexuality because gray barker was a full-fledged ufologist and a researcher and i can see that there's not just this pressure of the public should not know about this because of the you know way things were back then in West Virginia, but also Mm -hmm. because people would then try to reduce him to that uh, instead of embracing him for his research. Right, right, and I think I think there's a way to embrace everything as a whole. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I at least that's how I see things. I don't, I don't see things like that. I think that, like, if I would have found out that he, you know, was a homosexual man, I wouldn't have, you know, that doesn't take away from his ufology and mm-hmm. vice versa. You know what I mean? So I don't know if it was hard for people to see the whole gray. Maybe I mean maybe. And also, I want to point out that I'm very happy that he had his circle of friends. I think that was a release for him. Probably that's very, it's very comforting to know that he had people he could tell. Because if there was nobody, you know, that was that'd be an awful life to live. But I'm glad that he had his, his friends to rely that information to. I think that's yeah. that's, a, that's a nice thought to think about. But yeah, I, I don't see my I myself personally don't see uh, one or the other. I see I try to see people as I try to take in everybody's character completely. You know, yeah. so yeah. But yes, I do. I do see what he was saying though. Don't it's like you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I got concerns, you know, from a few people. Yeah. Before the episode came out, because people who knew him in his life. Mm-hmm. are concerned about people other people reducing him to his sexuality now that it's out in the public especially after the documentary right. came out but again you can see threads of it uh, throughout all of his writing and how much it influenced him and his form of ufology right i think it's something to celebrate yeah. i mean that's yeah i think that's something absolutely to celebrate embrace it it wasn't common back then i feel like yes. and it's not common probably even now to be i'm not i'm not trying to shit on the whole scene here but you know it's 
some of it is accepting, but there's still you get pockets of things, pockets of people, pockets of areas that aren't accepting of these things. So when Mm -hmm. when something like this happens, I think it's something to celebrate. People like this pop up and they're important people. I think it's something to celebrate, you know, especially because uh, the paranormal and especially this uh, stuff from the 50s, which is very campy and kooky. Right. Exactly. That's the fun stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's the fun stuff that attracts Mm -hmm. uh, people from the Mm -hmm. LGBT community. I talked with Fred about this in our episode and I've been dudes uh, talking about this. I've been actually researching into it and I'm talking about it in the episode before this one airs. How I think the Flatwoods Monster may be an LGBT icon, like Mm -hmm. a drag queen in a way. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It's uh, masculine, but it's also feminine, and it's ten foot tall, and it has the spade like head, like those grandiose wigs. That absolutely, uh, yeah, yeah, man, and it, yeah. and it wears a dress. Love and it. Yes, a few queer people I talked with told me how being exposed to the Flatwoods Monster initiated them into high strangeness, and we see this with Gray Barker as well. Absolutely, that's that's a beautiful thing. I mean, I think that people should be allowed to take whatever they want and make it into whatever they want, as long as it's not hurting anybody. You know what I mean? <laughs> just, just as you guys took the yeah. moth bo- mothman and reduced yep, it to yeah. a moth boy moth boy exactly <laughs> i mean yeah i've also seen a uh, mothman being an icon of sorts too I'm th- which i think is very very cool i think uh-huh. i think that's great i want you know why not whatever i mean if it makes people happy whatever you know it's it's good it's great we'll just let people be happy you know yeah i think recently there was some kind of petition in west virginia to replace all the confederate statues and flags with the imagery of mothman <laughs> That's perfect, man. Yes, 100%. Let's do it. Let's knock down those statues ASAP and get some Mothman stuff up, please. Let's do yeah. it. Okay, well, I, I need to mention this. So uh, you recently visited the Jennings Frederick uh, grave site as well, especially yep. after Cole and I did our episode. But you told me you visited his graveyard uh, a few times in the past yeah. as well. Yeah, I think I've probably been there three or four times at this point because I work uh, over in Grafton and the the grave the grave site is over in Grafton, West Virginia. He was a veteran, so they have a big veteran uh, a graveyard over there. Uh, yeah, I've been there a few times and, you know, I just, I don't know, I've just, I went over there and I've introduced myself and I said, you know, I've, I've, I've wrote, I've written a book. I guess if it was before the book, I don't think I went before the book was written or not. I can't remember now, but, you know, I, I talked about the book and, you know, just thanked mm-hmm. him for, thanked him for uh, the influence and the great story and now i know great stories i mean because reading the the archives but yeah so i mean it's kind of interesting and it it took a little bit of work to find where he was located but i found it you know so so did you ever get in touch with anybody from his family i tried tried reaching out but also man i i it's it's hard for me to do that kind of stuff because i feel like i'm intruding Mm-hmm. Kind of, you know, I mean, I don't know if they're in. Yeah, th- this is exactly what Cole said. Yeah, as yeah. Well. That's kind of like, uh, you know, I feel like I'm intruding. And I had uh, I had Robert Cockrell, the uh, Grafton Monster eyewitness. I had his info for a while. You know, I mean, I had his contact info and uh, I just never I never reached out to him. I just it was too late, a little okay. too late before he passed away. You know, I, I wanted to go into that as well. So I saw your yeah. um, reel on Instagram. Mm-hmm. You, you were in tears, man. Yeah, the, yeah. the day of his funeral and you Absolutely. did not go d- directly to the funeral you were at the uh, crossway or something mm-hmm. where he saw the monster right no I was I wouldn't so what had happened I I, I got a I got a hold of one of the family members and I just wanted to make sure it was okay mm-hmm. for me to go attend the you know most funerals are open here they're open to the public but I just wanted to make sure so I, I reached out and I said you know would I be able to just to just come and just sit and pay respects and all that stuff and so they said yeah it's fine don't don't worry about it so I got there I sat in the back of the funeral I actually didn't meet anybody from the family I kind of left everybody alone 
I just sat in the back by myself. You know, I got there right when it was starting. I left as soon as it was done. I didn't want to, I didn't want to bother anybody. I didn't want to step on any toes or anything. I'm, they, they seem like nice people, but I just, I didn't, you know, that's, that's a rough time for people. So yeah. it wasn't, I didn't go to his spot before. I actually went at, right after the funeral, right after the funeral. So I went over to the road where he saw the creature, the Riverside Drive. I've been there many times. I sit there sometimes just to hang out and eat lunch or whatever. Cause you know, I, I work out there. So I just kind of hang out there sometimes. But yeah, I went, I went to go, I went to go make a video just to randomly after the funeral. But yeah, I went to go make a video on, you know, Riverside Drive just to remind people that, you know, reach out to people and uh, you never know what can happen. Cause I had some like real regrets about not re- reaching out to him and just talking to him. And, you know, cause Grafton, Grafton Monster is one of my favorite stories, man. It's just the story of like the, the monster hunts and everything. It's, it brings some, so many images to my head and it brings such, such vivid life. I don't know what it is. It's such, such a great story. It's just so, so cool. I, th- I think uh, I remember when I was reading the newspaper stated that the Grafton Monster was like a figment of a childhood imagination yeah. or something yeah. like that because it compelled like this posse of 20 children mm-hmm. and teenagers to go out searching for a monster. Yeah, I guess I guess I've read too that like the Riverside Drive where it happened, it was just cars were lined up for like a week, weeks, you know what I mean, just looking for this thing. But okay, so I went to the I went to the spot where, you know, his his where he saw the creature, just parked my car and I was making a video about like you know, just telling people, you know, just checking with people. And if you if reach out to people, because you never know what can happen, then you just, you know, and then it so happens that the funeral procession was making its way down Riverside Drive. And, you know, I just, I, that's when I stopped the video. You know, I just, I stood there and I watched, you know, I, I waved at the hearse to say goodbye. You know what I mean? And uh, I watched everybody as they drove by. And uh, I just, I saw Robert Cockrell's last drive down, you know, Riverside Drive, which was where he saw the creature, which was really, really special to me. I feel like that was him going down that street for the last last time that was really important to me and i think that the funeral really helped me because i was grieving i was grieving and in a way i can't explain it it sounds weird to some people i think Mm -hmm. but i didn't know this man i know his story and i love his story and i was grieving his death because you know i just i'm i just love this stuff and you know when anybody when anybody passes away it's sad but you know but when it's something that you feel like you have a connection with somehow yeah i was grieving and i think going to the funeral really helped me you know just seeing everything seeing his family even if i was just sitting in the back not talking to anybody or not bothering anybody it's still it still helped me heal a little bit so funny enough actually so i was standing there watching all the cars go by and you know i watch it go i watch them all go and i got back in my car and i you know one of his family members messaged me and they said was that you standing on the side of the road you know just standing there watching the cars go by and i said yeah that was that was me you know it just happened to it was an accident i didn't know they were going down that way you know what i mean it was mm. just a so they said that we got to the, his gravesite and everybody was talking about how there was this guy standing on the side of the road just you know standing there watching you know paying his respects everybody thought that was really special which means a lot to me because because you know why else would a guy be standing there exactly at that time you know what i mean so but they saw that yeah. and they said how, how really special it was for them to see see somebody at that spot at that time and i think it's also symbolically beautiful that you were standing right there where he saw the monster mm-hmm. absolutely yeah mm-hmm. i think that there was some kind of connection there and it was it was like one of those like like i was saying earlier i just i had a pull there you know like i was telling you i didn't have a pull towards the gray barker archives recently yeah i had a pull to go to the i had a pull to go to the river and make this video for people just to remind mm-hmm. them and then you know the funeral procession drives by man i don't know i mean it's 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 beautiful yeah i mean i i saw your videos and i yeah. recognize that something is happening with you yeah yeah man i, I agree <laughs> 
I agree. Did you do your recording with Todd Purse? Maybe what's that? No, I haven't. No. Okay. I, I told Todd Purse, like I sent him your, your reel and I'm like, dude, you should maybe talk with, um, moth boy, Mike, because he's really going through something. Yeah. I think, I think we have plans to do it eventually. We Mm -hmm. always get family stuff always comes up, but yeah, I, I would really love to talk to Todd. I think he seems like a great, great guy. So, and I think we're both dads. Yes. He is now uh, focusing his podcast more on paranormal parenting. Oh, cool. And he had Cole on where they yeah. talked the whole episode about children's literature that's paranormal related. And I right. mean, you wrote a children's book about the vegetable man. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's great. I, I would really like to talk to him. So, but yeah, that, that uh, time in Grafton, that was really special to me, man. That's not something, that's something I won't forget, you know? So I'm very happy it all happened that way. And I see this uh, scene of you waving to the hearse mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, represented in the artwork that we're going to be using as the episode artwork. So can you yeah. maybe tell us something about that piece? Yeah. So after it happened, uh, probably a couple weeks after it happened, I was thinking like there was something still pulling at me going, you know, I got to do something more for some reason. I don't I get, I get these feelings sometimes that I need to do more. And I'm like, you need to do something for the family and for yourself. And uh, so I reached out to my friend Danner, uh, who illustrated Mothman Learns the ABCs, like I said earlier. And he hit, his name is Conjure Dust Designs, and he just does this, these great, really fantastic cartoon type I don't know. They're they're just really cute and they're just fantastic. Very popular. But um, I reached out to him and I'm like, man, I wonder if I can like commission you to do this for me. Like, can can you do the uptime? Do you have like the space in your schedule? And uh, he said, yeah, for anything for you, man. I mean, he said anything. So, you know, I I told him the story and kind of, I kind of had an idea of what I wanted. You know, he took it, he took it away. And, you know, the picture is uh, the hearse driving down the road, down Riverside Drive. There's this little sign that says Riverside Drive. And, you know, the Grafton monster is popping out behind like a hillside or a cliff of some kind. And it's, you know, it's waving by. And it says, it said, thank, it says, thanks, Bob. Because I noticed that his, I noticed that during the funeral they kept calling him Bob, and I, you know, I've always just known him as Robert. That's that's mm-hmm. you know, because that's the story. That's that's Robert. So I thought that was that was really that'd be a really special thing for the family if it was just his, you know, his little nickname. So that was him him waving, and that was also kind of supposed to. That was my my part in it was the waving part. Was like it was you know. I mm-hmm. at that moment was the monster or something. You know what I mean? Waving goodbye. You know, and it's uh Yes. Yeah. So I that and then so Danner did that and printed out a bunch of prints for the family and uh printed out some prints for the guys that run the Grafton Monster Facebook page, you know, because they were really they were really they loved they loved the artwork. So I sent them a couple and uh, I sent the family like a bunch and they loved it and they just they had them framed up and stuff. So it's I just felt like I needed to do something and now my my brain isn't full of because <laughs> my brain gets really full sometimes and then I need to do something artistically or, uh-huh. you know, and then it, once I do something, it drains. It, you know, it's, drains. Like, it's like yeah, binging yeah. and purging, but exactly, on creativity. Man. It's exactly it. So, and I think it also helped a little bit with the grieving process some more because yes. I'm not feeling, I look back at that time now and I'm, I'm happy. It's a happy time. And that, you know, and that's, I think that's when, when you're beyond grieving, I think that's, I think when you can st- look back at something and smile, I think that's, that's a good thing. You know what I mean? So, so thank you. Thank you, Danner, uh, for, for that. I mean, that's very special. I have mine framed up on a wall. I just think it's very special. So I see a lot of symbolic things happening there, like for this brief moment, um, in this grieving process. And when this day finally arrived, it's like you were embodying the Grafton monster itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that's, brief moment. Well, that's what Danner was saying too. Cause I, I didn't really think about it that way. 
And, uh, you know, some people might think it's silly, but, uh, I'll just Uh tell those people, I'll just tell those people to fuck off too, I guess, you know, but, you know, uh, okay. I'm going to elaborate more on the symbology of that. So the Grafton monster is something that just popped up for a split second and never did anybody see it ever again. But a lot of people went out inspired to search for it. Exactly. The Grafton monster symbolically is this thing that wants to stay hidden. That's shy. You know, people see it like that. And it's like this giant dopey thing, you know, Mm -hmm. but very playful and childish despite its size. So in that artwork, I see like it popping its head out once again, just for this moment to say bye to Bob. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Saying, mm. saying, uh, saying, thank you. Thank you for telling my story. Thank you yes. for being there at that time and seeing me. Yeah. There's a lot, I think there's a lot to that. Yes. And uh, I, I see you as the embodiment of the monster yeah. then because you just popped into these people's lives out of mm-hmm. the blue mm-hmm. for this moment to thank somebody. Yep. And I, and I, yep. And then I disappeared again. Mm. I think, I think that's, uh, I think that's okay to do too. I think that's, that's sometimes what happens with people. I, I think that, that, I think that's how it was supposed to work out. Yes. And, and you pop into their lives for that brief moment so you can inspire others to talk about you because, I mean, that happened at the funeral and you're inspiring these people, let's say, in the Grafton Monster group and other people who are mm-hmm. interested in the story. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And I think, yeah, I think I want everybody to know about this story. I think it's I think it's fascinating. And the more people I can get to get ears and eyes on it, that's 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 great, man. I, I think that's yeah. I don't like people that try to gatekeep and keep stories to themselves. Let's let's spread this stuff. You know, I think it's yes. great. Yeah. yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you, since you're working in uh, Grafton, uh-huh. like, do people in Grafton know of this story at all? Mm, I can't say that I've really talked to people during my workday there, but I have done a few events there selling my book, The Mothman Learns the ABCs, because Grafton Monster is a character in the book. I did an event there once, and I had a lot of people, because uh, I make sure to, to tell people that the Grafton Monster is in it, because, you know, I mean, we're right here in Grafton, it's where it happened. But a lot of people, a lot of, especially, I, had, I, I went to this event, and there was a lot of older people there, and they would come up and look at the book and they they would bring up the the whole theory of it was a woman with a cart picking up you know recyclables or or junk and uh so a lot of people think it's that i think still i think so especially the older some of the older uh, the older generation i think because i had one woman come to me and she said that back in the in the day there was this woman around that time Mm-hmm. who would walk around with her hood up and walking with a big cart down the side of the road. You know what I mean? So, I mean, they, everybody knew her and everybody, everybody knew she was the cart lady that would just pick up stuff off the side of the road, uh, stuff she could use or, you know, whatever. So I think a lot of people think it's, think it might be, you know, him just being tired on a late night, maybe come, you know, uh, yeah, see, but I seeing mean, something. <laughs> yeah. Who cares? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's what, that's, that's what I, I wasn't rude to these old, older people, but you know what I mean? I mean, I think that's what a lot of them think it is. I mean, maybe they don't have the imagination of some people or, or something, but, but, yeah. but we, we needed this cart lady. Like probably it was the cart lady that it we might, needed, her. It, 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 we might, needed her to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> Uh, when this guy was tired and, and coming right. back from work at what was it, right. 1130 p.m. Yeah, 11, 11, 1130. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and seeing this and his imagination activating to uh, tell the story, he was a journalist at the time. Right. Um, yeah. So as the story spread, it inspired this posse of 20 teenagers to go mm-hmm. outside and, mm-hmm. and play and search for a monster. Who cares? As the newspaper said, it's just a figment of an overactive childish imagination. And I don't see anything bad with that. No, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it could have been that. It could have been a real creature. I, I, in, my, in my head, in my opinion, it was a real creature. I think mm-hmm. it was real. And I think I really, really enjoy Gray Barker's take on the Grafton monster. When they were corresponding with each other, Gray Barker wrote an article saying it was like a creature 
creature that was sent down to check the air and check the environment. You know, like like much like we send a monkey up to space. You know what I mean? Yes. To, uh, so. I so I don't know if I told you I had Jason from Esoteric Book Club on. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to publish his episode before this one because I told you, like, dude, can we talk about you on the episode? Right. Yeah. And yeah. we did. So the whole That's episode cool. is West Virginian cryptids, but as archetypes, especially of tarot cards. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I assigned the fool card to the Grafton monster because the fool card is about youth, about enthusiasm, about going into adventure. So all of these stories of what the Grafton monster is, let's say an alien pet that was put here to test out our climate or whatnot it's a thing that is on an adventure in a new land yeah exactly Um, one child who was a part of the original search said oh it's a polar bear that escaped yeah (laughs) so you know again something that's somewhere where it should not be but it's out adventuring right another theory is that it's an interdimensional traveler again adventure yeah and another theory is that it's a subterranean creature that got uh, to the surf got out onto the surface for the first time yeah so the monster does convey this sense of a youthful enthusiasm and adventure and going off to explore and learn. Well, I have this. Yeah, I think I have this whole I have kind of a theory in my head that it is. A, it's a young whatever it was. It was young. I like to think it's a whole E.T. type scenario as mm-hmm. in like, you know, it gets left behind. I like to think that it got left behind for a while and, you know, it stuck around. And it was essentially just this young, scared creature that was left behind. And eventually, you know, it gets rescued. I liked I like to think. I have that. I have that little theory in my head that it's like just you know a little, a little kid essentially that was left behind, uh, scared and lonely in Grafton, West Virginia, of all places. You know. Yeah. Okay, man. Well, th- this was a very fascinating discussion. Thank you. Yeah, I had a great time, man. Great. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe I spark something in you that compels you to I don't know go on a, off on a new adventure. A new adventure, man. Yeah, there's always new adventures to have. Searching for the sheep squatch. <laughs> yes. Sir. Oh man, I don't know about that. Uh, maybe we'll see. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I could obsess about the sheep squatch. I don't know. <laughs> oh man! So when are you when are you gonna make your way over here? Ah, uh, I don't Tell, know. <laughs> come on now, you got. We would love to have you over. Come over to West Virginia. We'll adventure a little bit. Maybe I find myself like the Grafton monster in a new <laughs> place somewhere. That's right. That's that's it, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but until then, can you share with my listeners where they can find you and plug anything you want? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, my podcast, uh, we have the Moth Boys. We're a uh, uh, not family friendly comedy podcast. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, you know, at Moth Boys Podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Moth Boys Podcast. Uh, you can listen to us on Apple Podcast, where else? Spotify, Buzzsprout, just where we listen to podcasts. And those come out whenever we get them out. Really, there's not like a we're not. It's very loose. Mm-hmm. We'd like to try to get. We try to like to get two episodes out a month, but life gets in the way sometimes, you know. So you can find my books on Amazon, which uh, Mothman learns the ABCs and uh, Curious Creatures: The Vegetable Man. Uh, you can find those on Amazon, and then you can also you can find uh, Curious Creatures: Vegetable Man on the Small Town Monsters website and the Bally Raven Folklore Etsy. And then you can find Mothman learns the ABCs on Conjure Dust Designs Etsy page. So yeah, that's 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 what I have to plug. Okay, man, that will be all in the episode description. Oh man, that's cool. <laughs> and th- thank you for having this wonderful discussion with me. Like I never expected I would sit down with you and knowing your podcast and you know, you guys just make <laughs> beer and fart jokes all the time. Yeah, we, re- we really do, man. I mean, that's, 
uh, I think people are kind of surprised when they meet us and just uh, uh, how uh, how likable we can actually be, actually be. You know, so no, no. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I never expected to see oh, you- <laughs> that that you would be going through this very intense, you know, mm-hmm. transformation period in your life. And I'm like, yeah. wow, something genuinely weird is happening with you. And now mm-hmm. you're telling me you're compelled to go to these places on a pilgrimage, but you don't know why. Right, exactly. And I think that, you know, we like to make fart jokes and stuff on our podcast, but as people aside from our podcast, we take this stuff really seriously and we're, we're all about it mm-hmm. and we love it. We genuinely love all this stuff. It's, it's, it's just a fascinating love for this stuff. I mean, we, we like to poke and prod and make fun and it's all in good jazz. We make fun of ourselves a ton yes. on podcasts, but we make fun of everything. In the real world, man, we, we really love this stuff and it's really important to us. And uh, yeah. We can learn that by, by just talking with people the way we, we've been talking now exactly exactly instead of gauge keeping this monsters instead of forcing Mm -hmm. narratives of you know what they need to be in order to sell our own uh stories and ideas like the amazing thing about cryptids is that they are like these symbols that we can uh, fill in with whatever we want like there are silhouettes and some people take a more whimsical approach some people are compelled to go out in nature search for them you know some get interested in hard science and become skeptics due to monsters so they serve a multifaceted role yes, uh, for I, us. That's exactly it, man. I feel like I feel like these things bring happiness. Uh, so whatever makes people happy, as long mm-hmm. as you're not hurting anybody, I think it's fine. I think it's you want it. You do whatever you, you can to find happiness and just hold on to it. You know what I mean? If you if you want to make Flatwoods Monster a uh, an icon of some sort, go for it. Like we were talking about earlier, I just think these stories they're not ours. They're everybody's. You know what yes, I mean? So, yes. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And it's wonderful that these these witnesses shared their stories and that now like these are just normal everyday mundane people with yep. very mundane lives like all of yep. us have to work our day jobs. Yep. But this this story allows somebody to transcend that mundaneness of their life and and establish some kind of symbolic immortality in a way. We're still yeah. talking about the Grafton monster now. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, that's is it's like a weird trickle, like a wave. It's mm-hmm. like a like some kind of a fat. I don't know. It's just these these things are larger than life. These stories are. These creatures are. Whatever. I mean, it's all larger than life. And you work your mundane bullshit day job. These these things are kind of cool <laughs> to look into because they're larger than life. It's like you know, there's there's more out there than just this job or this life or this you know whatever. I mean, yeah. So a lot of people, you know, whatever you need to do to look into it and be happy. I mean, that's. That's I'm all for it, man. And these and these creatures and these stories and these eyewitnesses bring that to people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, man, until next time, until you release the Grafton Monster <laughs> book, <laughs> everything right. will be in the episode description. And for the listeners, bye-bye, guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs>